the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Acts, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and along the way he meets with the leaders of Ephesus to encourage and guide them. We'll pick it up in Acts chapter 20, verse 20. Once again, that's Acts chapter 20, verse 20. Next, it mentions his tears. See, the right attitude of a leader that shows in his character is a broken heart. A broken heart. Note here, he doesn't just say tears, but he says many tears. He says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Like Jesus, Paul wept over unrepentant sinners, disobedient brothers, and apostate false teachers. He wept over them. He didn't bang his fist at him, ah, you know, dirty, rotten, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Is my approach to ministry a broken heart when I see others astray? Or do you get frustrated with them? Do you get angry? The third thing he mentions is a persevering resolve. He says here, serving the Lord through temptations, which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. The word there means trials. Paul was slandered by the unrepentant Jews, but he didn't quit. He wanted to at times, but he didn't quit. And then the unrepentant Gentiles started a riot over the influence he was having there in Ephesus, but he didn't quit. And what is your attitude towards service when it gets difficult? Listen, if you have a heart for ministry or a heart for serving the Lord, it's gonna get difficult, all right? There's gonna be moments where you go, why did I sign up for this? I remember being out at school, I would hear, I, mean, I went through the pastoral line of you know, electives and all that kind of jazz. And you know, here I am with a bunch of other you know, 19-year-old, don't-know-nothing kids, right? And we have all these pastors coming and telling us, you won't understand this till you're in it. You just smile and go, oh, well, you know, you know, I haven't lost faith like you have, man. We're, we got this. Nothing's gonna deter me. Then you find yourself laying in a bed one day wanting to die because of your own inadequacies, your own failures, the troubles you face. Paul said there are times he felt pressed out of measure, squeezed to the point where he couldn't be squeezed anymore. What is your attitude towards service when it gets difficult? Well, not only is Paul's character, does he share that with them, and, and a leader's character is so important. He'd have humble thoughts, a broken heart, and a persevering resolve. But the second thing he brings up that's important for a leader is a leader's courage. Verse 20, 
He says, you also know how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I have showed you and I have taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul makes it very clear here that at every moment he spoke the truth in love. It says he kept back nothing that was profitable unto them. The word there, kept back, it means to not conceal or suppress out of fear. I have been in conversations with someone where I have looked at them. I have looked at their eyes and I go, what I am about to tell them is either going to A, make them angry, B, break their heart, or C, make them hate me. And what you do at that moment decides whether you are a hireling or you are a servant. He says, I didn't conceal anything or suppress any part of what was profitable to you out of fear. The word profitable means something that makes us better off. You may not want to hear this, but it will make you better off if you do and you take heed to it. Many times me and Bev have been in marriage counseling and we have looked at each other afterwards. We said, I don't think they're going to do it because you can see the resistance that's there. But we say the same things no matter what. And we know that if there are those who will listen, they will take heed unto God's word, that they will be okay. And then there will be those that harden their heart, they will not take heed unto God's word, and they're going to continue to struggle. We have to say it, though. Because if they take heed, if perchance maybe even they'll leave their hard heart and somehow soften it, they'll be better off. They'll be better off. We read it, in our scripture reading in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God might be perfect or mature or complete, thoroughly or completely furnished or equipped unto all good works. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, not just the easy sections, not just the popular sections, Let's talk this morning about how God's blessed us. I'd do that every Sunday if I had permission from God to do so. I would talk about grace and mercy every Sunday because it's my favorite topic. I would never leave it. But all of it makes it better off. So we need to hear about all of it. We need to ask the hard questions. We need to deal with the difficult issues. And that's why I believe in teaching through the Bible from start to finish without skipping anything <laughs> because then you can do that. I want to have the same testimony that Paul has here when I get to the end of my life that I have not withheld from you or kept back anything that you needed to hear from God's word. And if you have a ministry where you are teaching, you have a responsibility to do the very same thing to give the full counsel, as we'll see later on, the full counsel of God. Paul says he explains what he did and how he would teach it both publicly and house to house. And with the size of Ephesus, it appears that they met both congregationally and they also met in small groups. And it's possible that the large pastoral team existed to oversee all these small home fellowships that were there. But he explains now that he spoke the full gospel message in verse 21, because he says, I testified both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, repentance means a change of mind that results in a change of the way you live. This is the full message of the gospel. I must change my mind about my life. Any preaching of the gospel that does not bring that up is not the gospel. 
There must be the recognition that sin is not okay, that I'm not a good person. And there must then be a confession of that to God, followed by asking God to forgive my sins on the basis of my faith and what Christ did for me on the cross. If all of that package is not there, it's not the gospel, okay? It's not the gospel. If Jesus saves me to keep me in my sins, that is not the gospel. We read it in our scripture reading in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where it mentions that these who teach these things have a form of godliness, but deny the power of it from such turn away. They have a form of godliness, but they deny that God has the power to do anything in your life. You know, with the and I hate to bring up this topic because obviously it's a hot button issue in the church today, but with the debate within the church about homosexuality and of course all of the issues about the LGBT community that's out there today, there's a lot of pressure to conform. I remember I had a buddy of mine, a good pastor, a good pastor, and he said to me, but Will, you know, he said, it's just, it just seems like, you know, if, if, if it's in their DNA and, and it's, it just seems like they, they can't change, it just, that's who they are. And I said, I, I challenged him and I encouraged him. He was just discouraged. He wasn't off, but he, he was discouraged. And I challenged him. I said, listen, part of what Paul describes the false teachers as, it says those who have a form of godliness, they look like they're doing spiritual things, but they deny the power of God. If you're telling me that Jesus died for me only so my sins could be forgiven, but not to change my life, then that is not good news. That is no good news. Because let me tell you what I struggle with. I don't struggle with that. But I've got two or three things in my life that if you're telling me that God couldn't change me, and he did, but if God couldn't change me, then you know what? I don't want to be a Christian. And it's that simple. Because if that's the way I have to live the rest of my life with no hope of freedom, that's not the life I want to live. That's not any hope at all. That is not good news. That is bad news. <laughs> I love you, but you know what? I made you this way and I can't set you free. So you're just going to have to deal with it till you die. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he obtained for us eternal redemption. Meditate on that word, those two words, eternal redemption, age-enduring rescue. That means now, that means then, that means forever. I am free, and he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And a leader has to have the courage to say that has to be able to have the courage to say, I don't care what everyone else says. If this ship is going down in a mighty flame, I'm going down with it, speaking the same message, because he who called me, he's the one that we have to answer to. I'm not going to deny the power of God. A leader can't deny the power of God, even in the midst of fierce pressure. The full message of the gospel Paul says, I didn't hold any of it back. His courage. Thirdly, his character, his courage, his consecration. And so Paul says in verse 22, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither do I count my life dear unto myself 
so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I have plans, verse 22. Behold, I go bound in the spirit. Uh, The word bound means to be compelled by a sense of duty. This offering has to be delivered and he feels like it's his responsibility to do it. And so he says, I go bound in the spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, The word there means his own plans, his own mindset. In fact, it could be translated having made up my mind. So and now behold, having made up my mind to go to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, he says, except that the Holy Ghost witnesses, it's the same word for testifying up in verse 21. The Holy Ghost is telling me in every city saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Now, this is the first mention, first of a few mentions in Acts that the Holy Spirit had been warning Paul for a while not to go to Jerusalem this time. Now, how did the Holy Spirit do this? Well, turn over real quick to Acts 21, verse 4. Acts 21, 4. And stay here for a moment because we're going to look at one other example in Acts 21. But it mentions when he got to the city of Tyre, it says, in finding certain disciples in Acts 21.4, we tarried there for seven days. Who said to Paul, the disciples said to Paul through the spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Look at Acts 21.10 and 11. He is now at this point in time at the house of Philip. In Caesarea, and as we tarried there for many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, his sash, and he bound it by his own hands and feet. So he tied Paul's hands and feet with the sash and said, thus says the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So it explains that the Holy Spirit spoke this to Paul through the words of other believers. Now, this has been happening in every city that he goes into. Every city he stops in, he meets believers, and somebody there says, Paul, the Spirit of God is telling me to tell you, do not go to Jerusalem. You're gonna end up in trouble if you go there. So what is that? Well, this is what the Bible describes as either a word of knowledge or the gift of prophecy, okay? Like I said, we saw it in Acts 21.4. We saw it in Acts 21.10 and 11. Now, does the Holy Spirit still speak like this? Certainly, but there are rules, and we'll get into that more when we study chapter 21. But Paul is a little stubborn. Verse 24, he says, but none of these things move me. Literally, the word there for things is logos. None of these words move me. Now, I have to confess, I'm a little torn by this passage because I love that Paul is willing to give up his life for the gospel. I love that. That he wouldn't be a man deterred by fear of trouble or harm from others because we too should never be moved by a fear of consequences, even the loss of our lives. We should be consecrated to the Lord, set apart to him and say, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I want to do what what the Lord tells me to do. And there's been many a sermon preached using these verses to show that the attitude we should have. But there's one thing that should always move me, and that's God's word. (laughs) I should never go, none of these words move me. And the Lord's going, I'm trying to move you, Paul. We should never be stubborn like that. Paul is literally saying, none of God's words to me, telling me not to go to Jerusalem, deter me from the course that I've chosen. That's not good. (laughs) That's not admirable. That's being stubborn. And the Jerusalem visit is going to end up an absolute mess. 
So much so that Paul is going to end up sitting under house arrest in Caesarea for two plus years for no other reason than his own stubbornness. And in that place, Paul will become extremely depressed, wondering if he's messed up his entire ministry. So much so that the Lord appears to him in Acts 23, 11, and says to him, be of good cheer, Paul. Cheer up. You need to cheer up, Paul. I'm not done with you yet. For as you have testified of me in Jerusalem, so must you also bear witness in Rome. So what do I have to say here? Have Paul's tenacity, okay? But remain pliable to the Holy Spirit. Because just as the Lord had the riot situation in Ephesus under control without Paul having to step into the stadium, so the Lord could take care of this offering from the Gentile churches without Paul needing to go to supervise it. Paul might be ready to die for the Lord, but the Lord wasn't asking Paul to give up his life for the gospel at this point. He will later, but not at this point. Now, the rest of it, though, is wonderful. Neither, he says, do I count my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. This mindset is one we should always have. The word there, dear, means precious. How precious is our own life to ourselves? How precious is what I want to do in life to me? Matthew 16, verses 24 through 25 The gospel writer says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. In 1 Corinthians 15, the latter part of verse 31, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, the latter part, Paul says, I die daily. That is something that needs to be a part of our life. Many aspire to do great things for God, but few are willing to deny themselves and do what's necessary to accomplish God's work. You might be saying, well, that's harsh. You know, that you're kind of condemning us here. No, 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 no. I'm just telling you there's a higher standard, okay? (laughs) If you want to serve the Lord, you can't have it both ways. You can't say yes to serving the Lord and say yes to all these other things you want to do in life. When me and Beverly first started dating and I felt the call to ministry upon my life, I told her, I said, listen, if you want to continue dating me, you need to understand there's going to be certain things that will never happen. We are never going to be rich, all right? You are never going to have all of me in the sense that I will have time like other husbands will have because God has called me to a place where you will have to make sacrifices too. I know many a man who cannot serve the Lord because his wife just won't let him go. I want him home. I want him around. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can't then sit back and go, why isn't God using us? (laughs) And I don't say this to beat you up. I don't say this to, to condemn anybody. But the call of God, if he's put it upon your life to do something, it's going to cost you something. You have to give up something else. Just say yes to the Lord. You have to say no to something else you'd like to do. Your own life pursuits cannot be dear to you. Competing wants have to die. And that's why Paul said, I die daily. How true the words of Jesus' mockers on the cross in Matthew 27, 42, when they said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. They were true though. To save others, could he save himself? Something had to die, and it was him. And Paul urges us to have that same mindset in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, right? Let this mind be in you, 
Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself. And he became in fashion or likeness like us. And he did so even unto the death on the cross. And when you've done that, only then can you finish the task that God's given to you with rejoicing. That's Paul's heart. So that I might finish. I don't count my life dear to myself. Why? So I can finish. So I might finish my course with joy and the ministry that I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. A leader must be consecrated. He must be separated from these other things that it's fine for other people to do. It's not sinful, it's not wrong, but you can't (laughs) because God has called you to do something else with your life, with your time, and with your energy, and with your family. Turn to 1 Corinthians 4, 2. I wanna close with this. Actually, let's read verse one and two. Paul says, let a man so account or consider us as of the servants of Christ. We're just servants. God's called us to a task and we're doing it. And we're stewards of the mysteries of God, the truths of God. But then verse two, he explains, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. These pastors at Ephesus, these leaders, they had been given a task, a stewardship to feed the flock. We're gonna get into that more next week as we look at the other three characteristics of a leader. But we have all been given a stewardship of something. Whether you're a pastor or a lay leader or a project manager at work or a parent, okay? Each of those stewardships requires leadership of some sort. And so I'd ask you this morning, in the vein of character, courage, and consecration, is your character something admirable to those you lead? here at the church, in the work environment, in your home? Is your character admirable to those you lead? Are you exhibiting courage to speak the full truth in love? To always speak the truth, but to do it in love also. I think sometimes that's hardest in the home, isn't it? If you're raising your kids, because you're like, well, they can't get away with this, you know? <laughs> and, but you're like, but, but I, I, I can't lose my temper either. I can't, you know, be, be on them all the time. I gotta do it the right way. It requires leadership to have the courage to speak the truth, the full of it, but also in love, to lead. And lastly, have you laid aside the things that hinder your task and have you consecrated yourself to it? You know, many times we lament our family situation when the truth is we just have never consecrated ourselves to the task of parenting. We've never just said, Lord, this means I can't do other things. This means this has to stop. I had a lot of hobbies in my life when I first got married. When Beverly married me, and she was like, oh, you like to do this? Oh, you like to do this? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you later, honey. And, you know, I had to learn to give time to my wife and to realize that some of those things needed to die. But I learned even more when I had kids that even more of those things needed to die. That it wasn't my life to live on my own anymore. That if I was going to be a good dad, that meant I had to give up some of the other things I like to be good at and like to do. To consecrate myself to the task of raising my children. To consecrate myself to the task of leading my family. There were numerous times in church as, as the church would grow and then it would pull me away more for maybe things I like to do and the Lord would say, well, you can't do this anymore. But, but why not? Because doing this is keeping you from doing what I want you to do. There came a time where you had to say no to a bunch of other things. What is the Lord calling you to say no to right now? So you can do the task he set you on to be the leader he's called you to be. Character, courage, consecration. 
Lord Jesus, you taught us to count the cost. You taught your disciples that. And so, Lord, I think sometimes we have moved into things and we've not properly counted the cost. That it's going to require an admirable character, Lord. It's going to require a steadfast courage. It's going to require our consecration. So, Lord, I pray that, that in areas where you have given us a stewardship, that you would help us to do those things. Lord, that none of us here this morning would be condemned for failure. Lord, we, we all blow it. We all fail. I imagine that's those leaders there at Ephesus were, were hearing Paul say these things. There was probably a, a kind of a fresh challenge to them to think, oh man, I, I haven't been doing that. You know, I, I lost my temper the other day at church or, or oh man, I, I blew it in the conversation with that person who was, who was in sin or, or, or Lord, I, I know I need to stop, you know, investing all my time in this thing. I need to invest more time in the people you've entrusted to my care. I'm sure that they felt those things too and had their own failures, Lord. But you called them nonetheless through Paul to a greater place of, of commitment in those areas. And that's what you've done for us this morning, Lord. And so I pray that you would keep the enemy away who would seek to bring condemnation and steal the seed that, that you have laid into our hearts. Rather now, Lord, as we close in worship, that we would, that soil of our hearts, we would, we would grind it up and we would break up the fallow ground, Lord, so that the seed would be able to come and find its home and begin to sprout and bring forth fruit so that, Lord, our, our character would be admirable, Lord, our, our courage would be steadfast, and Lord, that we would be consecrated in the tasks that you've set before us. Help us to do these things, we pray, as we cry out to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407 523 0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.